that were nailed to the tree. His grace flows down and covers me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Amazing love, now flowing down from hands and feet that were nailed to the tree. His grace flows down and covers me. It covers me. It covers me. It covers me. And covers me. Kiddos, if you'd like to be dismissed for Children's Church, you can follow Brenda out the back. And I think you may be in trouble. It looks like she's got her electric skillet today. So, um, you know, mind what you say. I don't know. I'm guessing that means pancakes, right? So, very good, very good. Hey, if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be in Colossians, but uh, let me apologize. It's going to take me a while to get there. You know what? So, um, it's going to take me a little while to get there. What I'd like to do this morning, here, let me... Uh, I'm going to move down. I'd kind of like to be in your face a little today. How about that? Is that good? Here, let me just move right up here to, really, to the offs. Easy. Back off. That's right. All right. Very good. Um, so anyway, we've got a, uh, I've got a handout, and um, what I'd like to do is, is first this morning is, is um, I just kind of want to recap where we've been in Colossians because, um, you know, I've told you in several of Paul's letters, he sets the stage um, for, um, for his letters by saying, look at all what Jesus Christ has done for you. He's rescued you from your sins. He, he died for your sins. He, he, he brought forgiveness by his blood to you. He, um, he overcame the enemy. He, he put down the sinful nature that was warring against him in you. He reconciled that broken relationship that you had with God, and he's, he's made it new. And, and when you were dead in your sins, he's now made you alive in Jesus Christ. And, and all the front of many of his letters are written this way, and, and especially in Ephesians and Colossians, it's kind of the sister letters. It's all this great, incredible theological truths in the very first two or three chapters, and that it ends with, and live like it matters. 
and live like it's happened to you. Live in faith that what, what all these truths, all these spiritual truths about what Jesus Christ has done, now live in such a way that it matters. Yeah. So anyway, I want to I today, what I want to do is, uh, is just kind of do a recap on all the truths that we talked about so far. Because here's the deal. All of us, let me, let me make sure I've got your attention. All of us have this problem. All of us have this struggle where we know these things in our heads, but we're having a hard time applying them in our lives, right? And part of the great journey of Christianity is this, is that knowing what's true and walking it out in our lives. It's really hard, isn't it? It's actually very difficult. It's very hard to have enough faith to try to put into practice what Jesus Christ has done for us. That's, that's kind of the trick, isn't it? That's kind of the hard part of the Christian life is, is to take what, what I know to be true in my head and to walk as though it's true in my life. So we're going to spend a little time, and I'm, let me just apologize. I'm a little fired up today about all this, so um, forgive me. I'll try not to uh, spit. That's why I came down here close to Scott. No, I'll try not to, yeah, but, uh, I, but, but I'm a little fired up to be, today because, listen, I, I want to be a person who lives like he believes, you know? I, I want to I be a person who thinks that all these things are true of Jesus Christ and live in such a way that, I, that my life shows that, yeah, this matters. This, 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 ha- this has happened. This is, this is not just some theoretical uh, theology. This is truth, amen? And it changes my life and your life forever. We've been, if you're in Christ... Uh, Paul says, you're a new creation. You're like something that's never, that never existed before. Um, you are a new person. So, so let's start with this. Um, just kind of the whole emphasis of all of Colossians is Jesus Christ is unique in all the universe. There is no one like him. Uh, there is not a being, there's not the, you know, the most important person that you'd ever want to meet, the most influential, the most charismatic, the most talented, the most gifted, nothing compared to the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no one like him. Amen? He is unique in the universe. He's the most compelling figure in all of history. He is the reason for all of history is him. To get to know him for you and I is the greatest pleasure, the the greatest honor, the greatest uh, benefit that we have in this life. Amen? It is. He is unique. There, there is. There's no one like him. He's supreme above every figure. He's called the Lord of Lord and the King of Kings. Uh, Colossians in particular says that not only is the King and the Lord and the authority above every, every, every earthly king or every earthly president or power that exists, he's over and exalted above every, every spiritual ruler and authority in all of the universe. He is supreme. Amen? And authority. But it not only says this, that, that he has the greatest cause that the world has ever known. Right, so so there are some people who do some amazing things. You know, their causes art, or their causes the homeless, or the causes the poor, or their causes to build great kingdoms, or whatever. Jesus Christ's cause is to redeem and bring back and salvage all that was lost in the fall. All of creation was 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 affected by the fall, and Jesus Christ has come to make it new to redeem it, to buy back what was lost, to buy back what was lost in sin, what's been now corrupted and twisted because of sin, Jesus Christ comes back and says, I'll make it new by my sacrifice and by his kingship and his coming a second time. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. Uh, his, His cause is the greatest on the planet. And the amazing thing is, he says, and you can be a part. You may have great purpose. You may have great things going in your life. You may have great calling as a, as a husband, as a father, as a mother, uh, as a daughter. As a, at work, you may be doing some fantastic things, but there's nothing like the cause of Christ. It is supreme. There's nothing like it in all the universe to be able to reach down for God to redeem those who have been lost. There's no cause like it. He's, he's compelling. Is, what, the, what Paul wrote is that, is that all the, the fullness of God 
dwelt in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. That, that's, that's hard for us to imagine. It's actually maybe impossible for us to fully, fully gather. But what, it's, what he says is all the omnis, all the omniscience, all the omnipotence, all the, all the unending grace, all the, all the love that, that God expressed through all the Old Testament prophets, you know, the, the love that Homer was... The, 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 I always get their names combined, don't I? The, name, the, 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 the love that Hosea was called to show Gomer, this unending chesed love, that the Old Testament is found in its fullness in Jesus Christ. All of that, all the power, all the omniscience, all the omnipotence of God dwelt in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is all the divinity of God in, in human form. He is the God that we can see. He is the God that we can touch. He is the one who, who represents God most fully um, in all of the earth. He is supreme, and there is no one like him. Amen. I love it. In, in Colossians, Paul refers to, to, God, to Jesus' victory over our sin and victory over the enemies of God and refers to his divinity. And he says, he, you know, what, what's the best word you can take to sum all that up? Paul calls it fullness. It is fullness. And he uses sometimes, he says, riches or richness. All the riches of, of, of knowledge and wisdom are, are found in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's, it's just huge. It boggles the mind, doesn't it? It's, it's, uh, it, it, it he's, he's infinity cubed. You know, he is, he is everything in, 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 in finite form in, in, uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amazing. But here's the deal. Uh, we just read last week in, in, in uh, Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, it says he's the fullness, basically, of all things. All the fullness of God dwells. And then he says later, and then he says in the very next ver- ver- verse, and you have been given fullness in him. Yeah, you as when you have come into connection with the Lord Jesus Christ and you are now in him by faith, that you've come to follow him and you've come to believe that he is who he says he was, that he is God, that he is God in human form, that he is God and man altogether, that he did come for a great cause to lay down his life to bring about salvation and that when he died, his death brought us life. When you've come to believe that and you are in the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul says you've been given his fullness. You've received it by faith. But here's the problem, too many times. We don't feel it. We don't live it. So many times our struggles, struggles in, in, in our lives are very much, uh, very, very tactile. They're very, very, very much in it, right in our faces. You know, the problems that we have with our children, the problems that we have with our finances, the struggles we have in relationships with our children, with our wives, with our husbands, with our spouses, all those so very tangible that we forget who we are. We, we forget what's been done for us. We feel defeated because, uh, because we're struggling in our finances. We feel defeated because it seems like we can't, can't get away from a sin. We feel defeated because it seems like every time we try to do something, we end up messing something up. We feel defeated because every time we try to start a, a, a prayer life or a, or a quiet time that, that over and over again we, we trespass, right, which is that word for, for God has set a path and we keep falling off of it. And we, sometimes we believe in our defeat. Listen to me. Sometimes we believe in our defeat more than we believe in the victory of Jesus Christ that he won on the cross. Yeah? Listen, let me tell you, there is no comparison. The victory that Jesus Christ brought was a death blow to our sinful nature. It, it, it broke the shackles. It broke the, the, the mastery that sin had over us. It, it, matter of fact, it broke us out the way that Paul describes it in Colossians chapter 2. It says basically is that when Christ died, if you were in him, your old self died. That sinful nature died, and now you are alive. The problem is we feel like we're still kind of sick. 
You know what I mean? You know what I mean? The problem is, is that we still feel like we're, we're, we're still kind of wrapped up in those same chains that had us before. And so, so many times God calls us, and here's, let me give you a little, um, I'll tell you a little bit about next week. So here's the difficulty sometimes of the Christian walk. We know all of these things are true in our head, but we can't seem to put them in practice. Next week, what we're going to talk about it, Paul's going to be in chapter three. He's going to say, you take off that old self. You take off that old sinful nature. And you put on this new self, and you do, you do the new things that God has called you to. You do that new things that God has made you capable of, and you put on that new self, and you walk in the holiness and blamelessness that Jesus Christ has bought for you. But so many times, so many times in our lives, we don't feel fullness. So many times we feel an emptiness in life. You, feel, you ever felt that? You, are you, maybe you're there today. Maybe you feel like your life is empty. Maybe you feel like, you know, your prayers aren't getting through your, the ceiling. You're just not having that time with God. Maybe, maybe you're just unmotivated even to meet with God. Your life just is feeling empty. Purposelessness. Maybe you just feel like everything that you've tried, everything that you've touched just isn't working out, and so now you just feel like you're drifting. No real purpose, no real cause. Sometimes we can feel absolutely defeated by our sin. Sometimes we have this expectation that, you know what, I'm just not going to struggle with sin anymore. Listen, that's not true in the Scriptures, right? It seems like, let me, let, me, let me just warn you of this, when you open the Scriptures, everyone struggles with sin except for one man, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Everyone else struggles with sin. Don't be surprised. It's going to happen to you. It does happen to you, right? But sometimes we can feel like our, our sin's defeated. Sometimes we feel like we've been beaten by the enemy. Sometimes we feel like, you know, in our lives there have been so many things going on, we just feel like we've been opposed so successfully by Satan that he's defeated us. We can walk around in that kind of defeat. Sometimes we can feel like we're surrounded by darkness. <clears throat> sometimes that darkness is depression, right? Sometimes that darkness is, uh, is hopelessness. Um, it's, it's the, I was talking to Jonathan a little bit yesterday about this, but some, you know, it's like the hopelessness is kind of the antithesis of the, of the, of the gospel, right? The gospel says there's hope. You know, Jesus Christ is coming back. He's redeeming it all, including me. Hopelessness says nothing will ever change. Hopelessness is I'm stuck in this part of my life and it'll never be any different, right? Sometimes we can get stuck there and we feel that surrounded by darkness, Sometimes we can be ashamed of our sin and our inconsistency, right? Just because we've never been able to, it's always been a struggle to be in the Scriptures. It's always been a struggle to follow God very well. It's always been a struggle to, to watch what you say, to watch your language. It's always been a struggle not to, not to fall in temptation. And sometimes we can get so, so, um, so wrapped up in that that we can fall into shame. Actually, it's common among Christians. It shouldn't be, but it's common among Christians. Yeah? How about guilt? For your failure. How about continuing to feel guilt for your failure? See, knowing that God is forgiving me, but not knowing how to walk in, in that blamelessness and holiness that came through the life of Jesus Christ. Yeah? How about that? Sometimes that's how we walk and that's how we be. And, and I, have a, I, have the, I have this I have this view in mind actually this morning where, um, where it's, it's like we've been it's, it's like Jesus Christ came and he defeated our enemy and he defeated our sin and, and we were imprisoned in those things. We were imprisoned in sin and we were imprisoned in death and we were under the control of Satan as the ruler of, of, of the earth. And we, we were under his power and we we're under the, the control of our own sin. And Jesus Christ came along and he broke open the doors and he broke off our shackles, but we never left our cell. We never stood up and walked in the freedom that he's bought us. We never stood up and said, yes, I'm blameless now. I'm holy before God, and so I can work, I can move, I can, I can do things that are good in, in this life. I can do things that honor God because so many times we don't feel like we're capable 
or we don't think like we're worthy of doing anything worthwhile for God. So, so let me tell you how this works. So, so, God, so Jesus Christ has come, and if you've put your faith in him, he has broken death's grip on you. He's broken sin's vic- victory over you. He's broken the enemy's victory over you, and he has triumphed over him. But if you never leave your cell, we're living like it never even mattered, right? Listen, part of having faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is having this kind of faith, that I believe what you said about me. Are you with me? Sometimes, so many times we think about, we, we, we think about faith in terms of, of faith in, in taking some great step of faith or something else. Listen, a lot of times faith is simply this, believing what the Bible says is true of you because of who you are in Jesus Christ. See, Paul would say, you know, I'm, I'm going to give it away. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to go there. I'm so tempted to go there. I'm not going to do it right now, though. Hold, let's hold on. So, so let's hold on to this idea about, about being trapped in a prison cell. So it's like we've never left the cell. It's like we've never come to realize what's true in our lives, that, that what's happened uh, at the cross was our freedom and, and, our, our, and our ultimate and, and perfect forgiveness, that, that we've received, truly received an, an unending grace and love and mercy from the Lord Jesus Christ that is not dependent on what we do. That's what we've received. But we're, you know, so convinced of our failure, so convinced of our sin that we never leave ourselves. And we're living a life that is, um, well, it's not honoring to God, real honestly. We live a life of defeat when he's won victory. Amen? One of the keys that, about faith is, is that you've got to believe what the Scripture says. And listen, I know I say all these things, and it sounds a lot like the uh, health and wealth gospel, guys. I know that. But listen, what I'm saying is the difference between what I'm telling you and what they would tell you is, and all of this is to make you happy. All of this is to bring you success in this life. That's a health and wealth gospel. The Christianity, well, I'm, I'm sorry. The gospel, the true gospel, not the substitute. Uh, the true gospel is this. I, maybe I should be more careful. Jamie Scott, you'll tell me later if I need to be more, be more careful with that. But the true gospel is this, not the substitutionary one, is that there's something better than this life anyway. And that's not our hope. You know what? So, so if, if oh, I'm not going to get, you know, here I go. Okay. If all my hope is that this life is going to work out great, that I'm going to have happiness in this life, and all that, that Jesus Christ has done is for me and my life and my career and my health and my children and my wife and our marriage and, and my stuff and all this, if that's all the purpose of all that God's doing in me, I want my money back. That's right? right? Exactly. Now, the health and wealth gospel says, oh, no, it's all about this life. It's all about your happiness. It's all about your career. Listen, what the Scripture says is that, you know what, all that is going away. You need to be focused on something much more important. You need to be focused on the things that are permanent, right? Anyway, okay, I'm sorry. I got off on a tangent. It makes me crazy, though. I could, don't get me started. Okay. Listen, <clears throat> listen, men, there are sometimes, there are reasons why we don't pray with our wives. There are reasons why sometimes we don't pray with our children. And sometimes we say it's because we can't find the time. The truth is, a lot of times we can't find the worthiness. We don't feel like we're worthy. There's a lot of times that, that you know that there are people around you who are struggling in your marriage and you found the secret to struggling in your marriage was, was to put your hope and, and to find the love of God for your wife or your husband and you, there are people around you at work who are struggling in your marriage, but you're not saying anything because you don't feel worthy to. So you, you're, you haven't stepped out of your cell. You, you're, you're still acting as though nothing has been done for you. You're still acting as though you're still steeped in sin and you're still in guilt and you're still in condemnation when the truth is you have been set free to go out and take part of the cause of Jesus Christ and bring light 
and truth in the lives of the people around you. Amen? Amen? Yeah, so sometimes we, we don't say anything at work because we're afraid we're going to be hypocritical because people around us at our work have seen our failures. They've seen our attitudes. They've heard our mouths, right? The truth is, our hope was never in our ability to be holy, was it? Ever, even. The hope was that somehow in the mystery of Jesus Christ that righteousness could be found in him and encountering him and in his power. Amen? Amen. I want to invite you out of your cells this morning. Because Jesus has overcome all of this. And the truth is, if you're in Jesus Christ, you have purpose. The truth is, is if you're in the Lord Jesus Christ, your, recon- your broken relationship with the Father has been reconciled and there's no reason to avoid him. Amen? The, the, the writer of Hebrews says that we can, we, can, we can walk boldly, we can approach the throne of God boldly, right? Not because we're great people, but we have a great Savior who imputed upon us his perfect holiness and righteousness. So we walk into the, we can walk into the throne room of God, not fearful for that he's going to strike us dead, but holy and blameless before him, knowing that whenever we get there, he's going to say, oh, my son, oh, my daughter. You have been given, you've been rescued from darkness. You've been given victory over sin. It is no longer your master. You are holy and blameless in the sight of God. And listen, yes, we have struggles. Anyone here have struggles? Anyone here have failures? Anyone struggle with sin? Notice I haven't let my hand down. Uh, right? Anyone have relationship problems? Anyone have problems with their parents? Anyone have problems with their children? Anyone have problems with your friends? Anyone have problems with money? Manage your money. How about managing your life? How about managing your tongue? Anybody have any of those kinds of troubles? We struggle. But listen, because, just because we struggle doesn't mean you're defeated. See, here's the, here's the glory of the gospel. The glory of the gospel is this, is that Jesus Christ takes imperfect people who, listen, will never be perfect in this life, and he has them doing glorious things. That's, the, the Old Testament, right, calls for, it's, it's beauty for ashes, right? It's God taking something that was marred and imperfect and corrupted by sin, and then all of a sudden, a man is finding out how to love his wife in G- because of the Lord Jesus Christ and his relationship with him, his man is finding out how to love his wife selflessly. Beautiful. Amazing. Miraculous work of God, isn't it? All of a sudden, a, you know, someone who's been very selfish and self-centered in their life all of a sudden has a, has a concern for a friend of theirs because they're lost in hopelessness and say a word to them about the hope they've, they found in Jesus Christ. Beautiful. Miraculous work of God. Amen. Listen, you and I are going to struggle against sin, but it's lost its, it's, lost its victory. It's lost its, its upper hand against us. And, and when the enemy comes against you, that you know and he knows both that he's been defeated. Amen? I want to encourage you. I want to ask you this morning to stop acting like a defeated people. Don't act like a defeated people because our God has won the victory. We sang that this morning, isn't it? Our, our, our King of glory, he is the victorious one. And because we're related to him in a relationship, because the relationship we have with him, um, we are part of his victory. Um, so let's, let's continue. So, so let's just, I want to help you. So we've read through the first couple of chapters or almost the first couple of chapters of Colossians. And I just want to remind you of some of the truths that we've, that we've read. Because listen, you need to think about some of these things. You hear me? You need to meditate about some of these things. You need to get before God and say, make this true not only in my head, but in my life. 
Help me to take by faith what I know must be true and live it out in practice. You with me? Listen, if I come and I read to you all of these texts and all of the glorious things that God has done, and it makes no impact on me or any of the rest of us, there's no glory for God in that. The glory for God is that we take these by faith as true. That what the Bible says that has happened in my life and your life because of the Lord Jesus Christ is true, and it's changing my life. Amen? Amen? Listen, the gospel is not a theory. The, the gospel is not some, some, just some theology that we like to sit around and talk about and think about. The gospel is active and working in the lives of people. Amen? And it is creating the people who are for God, bought by his blood and for his purpose, doing the things of God, being his hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Amen? Uh, to the world around them. God, make it be so amongst us. Amen? Amen? Okay. So here we go. Here we go. So um, just read along with me. Here's what I encourage you to do. If there's one of these, so these are, all, I, I, took these, I took these from some of the verses that we've talked about in the last four weeks or five weeks. This is our sixth week here in Colossians. If there's some of this that strikes you, I want to encourage you, take this verse, take a week, take weeks, take a month, take months, and ask the Lord, Lord, make this true. Make this that I believe in my head that you've done for me. Make it true in my life. Help me, to, help, me to re, help me to realize what it means to, to put this in practice in my life. Okay, are you ready? Have I set the stage enough? All right, here we go. When I'm disappointed by this life, I remember that Jesus has qualified me for a glorious inheritance. When I feel the darkness closing in, I remember that Jesus rescued me from its dominion. From Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. When I feel no purpose in life, I remember that I was created for Jesus Christ just like all the rest of creation. When I feel like things are out of control, I remember that it is Christ who holds all things together. When I feel like I don't belong in God's presence, I remember that Jesus has reconciled me by his death to present me, this is a direct quote, to present me holy and blameless and above reproach before him. When I feel empty, I remember that I have been given fullness in Christ. When I feel I'm losing the struggle against sin, I remember that in Jesus' death, my sinful nature has been defeated, cast off, is what Paul writes. When I feel guilt for my sin and inconsistency, I remember that God has forgiven, it says these words, all my sin, all my trespasses, all my inability to follow God's path. That's what the word trespass means there. When I feel shame for my failures, I remember that the charges against me were wiped out and nailed to the cross. See, all the, all the Old Testament, it stood against us in a way that that written code stood against us. And, uh, and, and Paul uses this, this uh, kind of symbolic language. It's like that charge against you, right, that you lusted, that you did not consider God. Uh, you know, you, you followed other gods. You know, you chased other pursuits. You didn't give him glory. Uh, all the things that used to stand against you from the Old Testament removed from you. The indictment was taken away, and it was carried, and, and the accountability fell to Jesus Christ, and he carried that indictment to the grave. So now what's the charge against you? Righteous, right? <laughs> Amen. All right. Um, see, we play this game, so let's do it again today. Let's, let's play this. I love this game. So the charge against us as believers, see, see, Paul would write that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's nothing left for us to be charged against because Jesus fully satisfied all the requirements of God on our behalf. And so not only are we not guilty, would you over here say not guilty? 
Would you over here say, but righteous? So you, we have been declared, right. It's better than not just not guilty, right? It's better than innocent, right? We've been declared righteous. That's why we talked about in the very first part there in, in, in uh, the first chapter of Colossians, it says, holy and blameless to be presented to God um, um, above reproach. Right, there's, there's no more charge against us. Jesus took it all. He, he took it all. Took accountability for all of our sin, all the charge against us. Um, anyone have any idea where I'm at? Hmm. The last one? All right. Okay, yeah, I am. I don't know. When I feel like I'm defeated, I remember that Jesus has disarmed his enemies and he triumphed over them. That, that view is like a king who triumphs over his enemy and then drags that defeated, in, that defeated army into town so that everyone can mock them. Right, it's kind of the view there. So how about that? How about that? that? That ain't bad, is it? All the richness of Christ, all the fullness of Christ given to you and me. See, it, this is so hard. This is so hard for me to preach to because it's so big. It's so huge. All the benefits, all the things that the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. You know, we could spend the rest of our lives talking about it, and I suspect maybe this is what eternity's for so that we can get a gl- glimpse that, you know, we can go like a spelunking one day in the, in the glories of the majesties of, of God's mercies, and then tomorrow maybe we'll hang glide over God's, you know, perfect and holy character, and then maybe in a, you know, another few days we'll, we'll put on our scuba gear and go down to the, you know, the depths of God's uh, power, and then, uh, you know, there's just no end to him. Uh, someone, I can't remember who, said maybe that's why we have eternity, so we can come a little more fully to appreciating God. You know, it's like, uh, see, I, there was a, a time ago, several years ago, nine or ten years ago, I got to go to uh, Yellowstone National Park, and I spent a day there. Well, if you're going to go to Yellowstone National Park, you can't spend a day there. Um, it's too magnificent. The, the huge granite walls, you know, hundreds of meters long, and 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 why, I don't know why I'm talking in meters today, but and deep. I'm uh, science by maybe training. So and and then hundreds of feet deep, huge, beautiful granite walls that are just so huge as you can't even comprehend it. You know, um, the Earth's crust there. Um, there are signs up that says caution thin crust area, meaning that if you're not careful, you're going to step off into some, to some mantle, right? If you remember all that, it's real hot, right? Mantle, yeah, really, really hot. Incredible, majestic, but there's not enough time. Same way about the glories of our God. Same things about the richness and the fullness of Jesus Christ that he's done. We just don't have enough time here to express it all. But listen, one thing we can do, the little part that we imagine, the little part that we get is to take action on it, is to live as though it's true. Amen? Because you know why? Why? It is true. That's right. It is true. All right. <clears throat> I tell you what, I had, I had planned to finish Colossians chapter 2 today, but let's do something else. Let me, let me ask you to do something. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm lining up sermons now. You know, we got Easter coming, which is where we won all of these things through the Lord Jesus Christ. When he came, he gave his life and he was resurrected by God's power, overcoming death and sin and the enemy and everything else. And that's why we sing victory in Jesus, right? All right, so that's coming. So I'm gonna have a, we'll have a couple of sermons to get ready or a couple of, of um, uh, services to get ready for Easter and celebrate Easter together. And so next week, I want really bad to go through chapter three with you. Read the end of chapter two. 
Read the end of chapter 2, will you? And uh, basically what he's going to say, what Paul's going to say, I'll just give you a little foreshadowing. What Paul's going to say is, is this, is he's going to say um, th- there's this uh, Col- uh, Colossian heresy that said, oh, you've got to take Christ and then you've got to worship these spiritual beings and then you've got to take some of the Jewish um, festi- festivals and, um, and, and you combine all these things. That word's called syncretism. Whenever you, you, uh, you combine multiple thoughts of multiple religions, that's called, called syncretism. And Paul's going to say, oh, and, and, and asceticism. I forgot asceticism. Asceticism, right, was this belief that everything that's, that's, that's physical is bad. And so you shouldn't eat and you should sleep as little as you can get away with and you shouldn't buy expensive clothes. You should buy cheap clothes because what you're trying to do is purge your body of all the evil of all this, uh, all this stuff. But in the end, Paul says, worthless, all of it, because fullness is found alone in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah? Okay. So that's, that's kind of how he finishes chapter 2. So next week in chapter 3, we're going to talk about how do, how do we do this? How do, how do I put on this new thing? How, you know, if I, if I if, so, okay, David, you're coming and you're telling me uh, that I have righteousness in Jesus Christ. How do I walk that out? I mean, do I stick my nose up in the air and say, hey, yeah, you want to uh, bow down at me? I'm, I'm, I'm righteous. I'm holy. No, 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 of course not. Uh, but how, how do we live this out? And, and we're going to talk about Paul in talk, in, next week, and he's going to talk about how do you make what's true in your head true in your life. Amen? Let's do that. But I tell you what, what, I want, what I'd like to do today is I want to give you a little bit of time to respond. I've hit you really hard today um, on, this, on this idea, on this thought that, that um, too many times we act like what Jesus Christ has done means nothing in our lives. It's, not, it's dishonoring to God, honestly, right? It's dishonoring to God. I'm not trying to heap on more guilt if you're in guilt today. That's not my intent. Honoring God is stepping out and saying, I believe what you've said about me is true. I believe that what you said that you've done for me has happened. I believe that, you know, that, I should, that I should do things. I should step out of my box and I shouldn't be feeling like a hypocrite to share my faith. I believe that what you said is true and that, and that even though I'm unqualified in myself, I'm empowered by God to be in his presence. If you've been hiding in shame, I want to invite you to come today because he has made you holy and blameless and above reproach. If you've been too embarrassed because, you know, your husband, your wife knows you too well that you feel very uncomfortable praying with him because you don't feel worthy to, listen, the Lord Jesus Christ has made you worthy. You didn't do it on your own, but it's something that has been done for you. If you're too embarrassed or ashamed to, to pray with your children, I want to invite you to, to say, no, step out of the box because what Jesus Christ has done for you is true. It's happened, and he's made you worthy to be involved in his great cause and his great purpose to bring about redemption on the earth. Amen? And sometimes that starts right at home with our families, doesn't it? Yeah. Let me just give you a little bit of time. I'd like to, we're going to, you guys got a little music back there you could play for me? That'd be great. Thank you very much. And what I'd like to do, I just want to invite you, if you would like to come and just kneel at the altar and just say, Lord, I've been dishonoring you because I've been living as though none of this is true. If you'd like to confess and then just ask him and say, Lord, now, now, now help me to live. Help me to walk in a way. Help me to live in a way um, as though this were true. Help me to take by faith what you've said and help me put one foot in, the, in front of the other and help me live in a way that's honoring and pleasing to you and, and like a person who's been set free uh, and, and now part of the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ. I wanna, let me just invite you to do that. If you'd like to come and just kneel here at, our, at, at, at the step and, and just uh, give your life to the Lord in that way and say, I want to take by faith um, what you've said is true of me. I, I just want to invite you to do that. So, so let's pray together. Heavenly Father, uh, we give you this time now, and, and thank you for opening your word to us. Thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit, the, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, who gives us insight in the, in the truth of all the riches and all of the fullness of what Jesus Christ has done. 
And Lord, we understand this morning that, that, uh, that Lord, we don't get it all. We, we can't understand it all. This is what, what you've done for us is too huge for our comprehension. But Father, the things that you've taught us, the things that have been made plain to us, I pray that you would help us to take steps of faith and make true what's in our heads to be true in our lives. Help us not to, to recoil in fear. Help us not to recoil in, in some feeling of defeat. But Lord, help us, I pray this morning, I pray that you would help us to act out uh, in these ways that we might be involved in the things that you're doing around us and just walk in the confidence of a, of a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.